Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. All right. I have a scripture that I want to start with. What do you think that might be? Woo! It's starting to sink in. How many weeks have we spoke about this scripture? A lot. You're going to bed at night and you're like, you know, reciting it as you go to sleep, right? Um, there's a lot of translations that are good when you read this scripture. There's a lot of good translations. But I love the Amplified here because it brings it out in a beautiful way. And let's, let's begin by reading this. Go in your Bibles in the Amplified. If you're an electronic, you know, phone, iPad guy, just go on the Amplified. Here it is. I'm going to read it. Are you ready? It says, Therefore, confess your sins one to another, your false steps and your offenses. It's important to get stuff out of our life. And pray for one another that you might be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, someone in right standing with God, can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is what? dynamic, and can have tremendous power. Say this again. Say, it is dynamic. dynamic. Let's try it again. It is dynamic. dynamic. How many things can you think of in life that are dynamic? You ever went through the drive-thru and you went, wow, that's dynamic. It is dynamic. That means that it is impregnated with power. That means that it is impregnated with power. And can have, it says, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. But it is impregnated with power when you pray in faith. How many have increased your prayer life since we started this journey? I sure have. Amen. Look at that. That's good. It's working. I think maybe another one or two or three years of this. Let's go to 1 Kings 18. I think the Lord wants to speak to us today. 1 Kings 18. Here's a time where um, in Israel... Uh, it's, it's interesting. You look at the, the stories in the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. Some people say, well, that's the Old Testament. Who needs that? I tell you what, when I read the stories in the Old Testament, I come alive. Because I can relate to them. Right? Some of them. Um, and there is such a spiritual picture behind these stories that the Bible comes alive. 
And God teaches us about the way he thinks and feels through a lot of these stories. So uh, Israel and some of the other nations, their heart has left the building. Their heart has left God. And they got involved in other gods. They put up Asherah poles, or Asherah, or however you want to pronounce it. They were uh, false gods, and they were these poles, and then people would come and gather there and worship a false god. This is Israel. Can you believe that? And so God would bring warning through the prophets, and, and then one king would repent, and they'd cut all these things down, and and then another king would come, and then he would be wicked, and he would do some bad things. And sure enough, people start getting into false religion and worshiping false gods. And then finally, the Lord said, enough is enough. I'm going to bring a drought upon the land. The Lord said. Say, the Lord said. See, that carries a little bit of weight, doesn't it? That's right. He said, Elijah, go and pray. And so Elijah prays, and the heavens were shut up. The heavens were shut up. That's pretty dynamic. The heavens were shut up. Boom! The power of God comes. They were shut up. I remember a teenage girl one time, I told her, powerful story, and she goes, oh, shut up. It's not quite the same thing. They were shut up, and nothing. And the king started getting nervous. Um, in fact, they sent out people to go and find grass to, to feed the cattle, to feed the horses. They were in search of some life, something. And yet, when you read this story, when I'm going through this thing, sometimes I have gone through those same seasons in my life where God was dealing with me on an area, but I refused to deal with it. And then God knows how to turn the faucet to off. Well, God can't do that in the New Testament. Well, yes, He can. Yes, He can. And He's done it to me. I had a man give me a word one time exactly what I was dealing with. And he said, Lord, just want you to know. Anyways, and I said, okay. So there are times that we have offenses that we don't want to deal with, right? There's issues in our life that we don't want to deal with, and the Lord will get our attention. We're wondering why the anointing isn't heavy like it once was. It might be that God shut the heavens. The Bible says that he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When I say no to God, I'm being prideful. I'm saying my way is better than your way. It, it, isn't that what the Bible says? All right, we're talking about prayer this morning, and sometimes we don't know why we're not getting a breakthrough. We have seasons of breakthrough, and then we have seasons that it seems like I cannot seem to get a hold of God. It, the Bible says this, it says the heavens are like brass. That's a, that's a strong picture. Yeah. The heavens are like brass. You have times that are just like you pray and things happen. You pray for this guy and he gets saved. You pray for finances, things are happening. Uh, God is moving in your life. 
And then He begins to deal with you on an issue, and we say, no, God, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm going to park that car. And then all of a sudden, God brings in the brass. I'm not talking about condemnation and that kind of thing. I'm talking about a God that wants to walk with you and work with you so you can flow in the anointing, you can flow in the things of the Spirit. Amen? So sometimes He has to teach us through events in life. He has to teach us through things in the Spirit. Just say amen. Okay, where am I going? So, then... Uh, Elijah is sent back over time, and God's like, okay, let's see what's going to happen now. So he sets up a meeting with the king, and it's, it's interesting because Elijah was actually hiding at this point because the king wanted to kill him. How many have had a king try to kill you? Okay, just a few hands. I remember a story with the Dwyers where they were preaching in the jungle, a big meeting, and uh, uh, this, this happened, and you guys were praying and stuff before that meeting, and then you went to pre, uh, preach there. And then afterwards, this is way in the jungle, they had all these militant gorillas everywhere that were capturing uh, missionaries, which that's what they were, were missionaries. And anyways, I, I'm probably killing the story, but then you guys were, uh, you finished the meeting, people got saved, uh, people heard you preaching in the jungle, uh, <laughs> am, I, am I ruining it so far? So later on, uh, he can correct you guys later. Later on, he finds out that the meetings that they did in that part of the jungle, the gorilla, the communist gorillas were going to, not gorillas like monkeys, communist gorillas, the communist monkeys, communist, <laughs> communist whatever. They had set up an ambush to come in and kidnap the missionaries. But what happened is some of the guys got saved, and for some reason God called it all off where, where uh, they didn't run in and kidnap them. And I think some of them got saved, and, and so they, they turned their heart. And later Sheldon was talking to some of the soldiers that got saved, and they, they told him about the ambush, how they were going to go in and kidnap the missionary. And finally, Sheldon said, wait a minute here. I'm the missionary. <laughs> and uh, you, you, God protected you. Were you both there? No? That's pretty amazing. <laughs> you had a praying wife at home. That's right. All right. So uh, real quickly here. So God has given an opportunity to the king. The king is out trying to hunt down Elijah, and God was protecting him, and no one could find him. And finally, he set up a meeting with one of the, the, the main men under the king, uh, Obadiah or something like that. And so Obadiah goes to him, and he says, Elijah, I can't believe you're here. The king's been looking everywhere for you. If he finds you, he's going to kill you. And he said, the strangest thing is, is that, that you're one place and then you're another. And he said, who knows where the Spirit of God will pick you up and put you tomorrow. Yep. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I don't know what that meant, but I think it meant what it meant. 
uh, God protected him, and he would just move him, I guess. So uh, he has this meeting, and he arranges his time, and God says it's time to bring back the rain. So Elijah goes up on the mountain, and Elijah gets down, and the Bible says that he put his, his, he got down in a crouched position. Sometimes we need to stop and take a position of prayer. Amen? I think it's good to pray in our car. I pray in the car all the time. Uh, that's why God invented emergency tongues, you know, weather like we have. It was slippery this morning. I had to put it in four-wheel drive. I come around the corner, my rear end of the truck passed the front end practically, and said, well, okay. Um, he goes up, and he gets into the position of prayer. And he gets down, and he puts his head between his knees. And he begins to call on the Lord thy God. You see, I like this picture here in prayer because he positions himself in complete assurance and faith. He knows who he is, and he knows who God is. And he actually crouches down, and he begins to pray like he actually believes that God is hearing him, and he starts calling in the rain. And then he gets up, and he tells his servant, he says, walk up over the mountain and look over the valley and see if you see any clouds. See, he actually knew that God was hearing him, and he would send his servant to go see. So he'd go and check, and nothing was there. So his servant climbs down again and gets down to where he was, and then he'd tell him, no, there's nothing there. And that's where some of us would probably quit praying. And the second time, he crouched down, he put his head between his knees, and he began to call on the Lord thy God and started calling in the rain. He's calling it in. The second time, he climbs up, he goes over, he checks, he says, comes back, he says, there's nothing going on. So, he knows who God is, and he's not going to quit until he sees a breakthrough. So, again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, seven times, I'm quite sure the servant is probably tired, probably thirsty. And he goes up and he checks the servant and he looks off over the valley and there's a tiny little cloud and he said it's about the size of a man's hand. What did that mean? I don't know. It was from a long ways off and it seemed like the tiniest thing and he came back and he reports to Elijah and he said there's only a cloud about the size of a man's hand and Elijah stood up and he said, that's it. And he went back and he got a hold of the king. And he said, you need to prepare. He said, I know that you're going from this city to that city. So if you're going to go, you need to go now because thunderous rain is going to overtake you. Thunderous rain is a little cloud. The Bible said that Within a matter of hours, about a half a day, the sky turned black and it began to rain uh, ferociously upon the ground until it revitalized the entire nation. 
Just think. Maybe the dryness in America could be corrected through people praying. He actually prayed with full confidence and assurance that God was hearing him and that it would rain. See, there's something about a man of God. When you, when you get locked in, when you mature in the Lord, you stop hoping and you actually start believing. Hope is good. Hope is the expectation for future good. That's a good thing. We need to have hope to have faith. But what brings the flood of rain isn't a man in hope. It's a man that's mature and has faith in God and can pray in the rain. Hallelujah. I'm going to give you another one. James 5 14 and 15. It says, If anyone among you are sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of, of hope. You, is that hope in your Bible? Is, if you look again, does it say hope? Okay. It says, The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Check in your Bible. Does it say hope? Does yours say hope? Does anybody else say hope? So many times we pray in hope, but we haven't learned how to pray in faith. We pray in hope, but we haven't learned how to pray in faith. Sometimes we need to get around some people that have been through some storms, like the Dwyers and others, amen, that have a little bit of grit in their soul, and when something begins to happen in life, we don't just move to hope and then panic. We look at their faith and we go, if God can come through for them, God can come through for me. Amen. See, it's very important that we have fellowship, that we relate with people of faith because that faith is contagious. Amen? Amen. There's a difference. And the Bible's given us a key here to prayer. Is when we get into an atmosphere of faith and we pray with confidence, it shakes heaven. And you actually can pull a miracle from heaven. How much of a discussion? Remember the woman that was so sick and she pushed through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garden, garment, garden, garment, the hem of his garden. I don't know what that looks like. We should put a hammer on our garden at home. But she had, the Bible says, it was her faith that pulled the miracle. There was even, there was no discussion with God at all. We need some people of faith, amen? amen. Say faith. faith. This is powerful. The prayer of faith will save the sick, will raise them up, will heal them. One time I was, I was in prayer in my office and I was studying and I'm praying and and just doing some things, and, and, and uh, uh, the Lord spoke to me. Well, here, let me give you the backstory. 
there was someone in our church, their daughter was really sick in Eau Claire and went into a coma. And I'm in my office, and the Lord spoke to me in my office, and He said, get up. See, the Lord spoke. He said, get up, and I want you to go to Eau Claire. Wow. You remember that story? He said, this is what, and I don't care what anybody believes. I don't care. I don't care. The Lord said to me, He said this, He said, get up, you're going to drive to Eau Claire, and you're going to go into her room when, it's, when there's time. You're going to go into her room. And then you're going to, this is what the Lord told me. He said, you're going to rebuke the spirit of infirmity. And then you're going to lay hands on her. And, I will, and he said, you're going to lay hands on her, uh, pray for her. And by the time you get home, she'll be healed. That's what the Lord told me before I even left. Wow. So I said, Lord, I don't have time tonight. So I did. I got in my car, and I went to Eau Claire, and I met with the family, and we talked for quite a while, and there was a lot of people in the room back and forth, and probably after about 45 minutes to an hour, uh, her brother said, hey, would you go in with me now? And I said, I'd love to. Went in, we shut the door, and I said, I'm going to pray a little bit different than maybe what people are used to. And I, I put my hand on her, and I rebuked the spirit of infirmity, just like the Lord said, and when I did, the machine actually blipped. It went blip, 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 blip. I don't know what that was about, but it did. And I got excited. So then I laid my hands on her, and I commanded life and health to come back into her. That's all I did. I just did what the Lord said to do. That's all. I didn't have to pray for 14 hours on that one. I just did what He said. I came out, and I hugged the family. I went home, and now it was about 11.30 at night. It was pretty late, and I went to bed, and when I crawled into bed, uh, Gary called me and said she woke up. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Dr. Cho, he's the pastor of the largest church in the world, Pentecostal Spirit-filled Church, uh, loves God. Uh, they have cell groups all over Korea, all over Korea. And when this is back in about 1968, 1970, when was that? How many were alive back then, you know? Come on. This is no lie. Dr. Cho, God began to teach him how to pray. And he began to teach people how to pray people, uh, how to teach people how to pray for their lost friends. And he began to teach them how to have faith for finances and how to have faith for breakthrough. And he began to teach on, on prayer and teach on prayer and teach on prayer and teach on prayer. And sometimes the congregation probably thought, that's too much. But he was just getting started. <laughs> and he started seeing miracles in his church as they began to spend time in prayer. Why? Because prayer fosters a spiritual environment. And miracles come through the Spirit, not the flesh. Oh, this stuff's so complicated. All right. So his one son was in a school, and somebody that, uh, he was like a terrorist, he came in, he actually put poison in the kitchen, in the food in the kitchen, in a big pot. And 
they, they caught the guy later, but um, uh, a number of students actually died from that tragedy. And he, they called him and they said, hey, some of these students have died. We found out that your son was there as well. We don't know what to do. He's not doing well. He's in the hospital. And so he dropped what he was doing. He went, and this is all in his books and recorded. He didn't know what to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? It's too bad we revert to prayer as the last resort when God says that prayer has tremendous power. We should start there. He didn't know what to do. So the story, as you read it, it says he threw himself on the floor and he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for three hours and not one thing happened. Not one thing happened. He felt like he was losing his son. He was getting weaker and weaker. And uh, the doctor said, there's no hope left. Other kids have already died. There's no hope. How many have ever been in a hopeless situation? I hate that. So he finally got up on his knees and he said, God, I don't know what to do. Just tell me what to do and I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just tell me what you want me to do. And the Lord spoke to him. And I don't know why he said this, but he did. He said, I want you to call out for the Holy Spirit until he shows up. And he said, well, what, what does that mean? So he just, he just sat there and he just worshipped and he called out to the Holy Spirit and he called out to the Holy Spirit, called out to the Holy Spirit for about another two hours. That's five hours in prayer. And he said, all of a sudden, I like the all of a sudden's. All of a sudden, he said he felt this, this presence, the presence of God begin to come into the room ever so slightly at first. And then it got stronger and stronger, and pretty soon he was crying. He was shaking in the middle of the hospital, uh, the, the hospital room. And all of a sudden, he stood up and he said this. He said, Lord, I have mountain-moving faith within me. Yes. So he took the Spirit of God to shake that open, to waken that faith up. That's what he said. I have mountain-moving faith within me. And then he said, what do I do, Lord? And the Lord said, lay hands on him. He began to lay hands on him and pray. And then he, he picked up his arm and he was lifeless. He said he didn't know if he had died or if he was almost dead, but he was lifeless. And the Spirit of God began to move on him and he began to call his son's name back to his body. He began to call his son's name back to his body. Began to call. He said there was something within him that so charged him that he knew that what he was doing was actually working. And all of a sudden his son began to cough and choke. And he woke up and he started crying. And his son says this. He says, there's Jesus. And he said, I turned and I looked. And he said, I couldn't see anything. And he said, there's Jesus. And he said, son, son, you know. And he's hugging him and he says, no, there's Jesus. And he said, son, just tell me, what, what do you see? And he said, I was leaving the room. And the Lord embraced me and he said this, you must go back because your father refuses to release you. Come on. Because your father refuses to release you. But that's a whole different level when we pray in faith. We pray in fear. We pray in frustration. We pray in disgust. We pray when we're tired. We pray 
But how many times when we pray are we actually believing that we're shaking heaven? I'm like that woman that, that pulls the miracle from God. Amen? What are some things that can, that can help us in our prayer? I'm just going to give you a, a short list. Are you guys okay? Yeah. Number one, just like our key scripture in James says, that uh, we need to understand our position in God. When we come to Christ, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And one of the things that the devil will do is he'll try to tell you over and over that uh, you're not clean. You're not positionally in a place to actually take a stand in faith to call on God's help. That little lie in itself will greatly damage your ability to pray. I love the Scripture, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. That's a good one. Here's another one. You guys okay? Yeah. Proverbs 15, 29, it says this, The Lord, say the Lord, is far from the wicked. Here's, here's the good thing. I'm, I'm so glad that there's a but in there. But, say but, He hears the prayers of the righteous. Woo, come on. That's half the battle. Is God even hearing me? The Bible says here that if you are saved, when you get down and you pray, it says that God hears the prayers of the righteous. How many, how many here are righteous? Amen. How many here are saved? How many here are covered in the blood? How many know that we live in the dispensation of grace? Praise God. Does that mean we should just go and do sloppy living? No. Grace teaches us not to sin. Amen? It's a process. But in the process, the blood is covering me. Amen? And when we understand our position in Christ, it releases tremendous faith when we pray. How many can go home to your parents' house as, a, as adults? How many can go home and you're sitting in the living room and you think, Gee, I would like a glass of water. So you get down on your knees and you start begging your mother, Oh, please forgive me for everything I ever did. You look at her. She's like, Oh, I, I thought we'd been through this. She's like, just get up and get it. You're good. Say, I'm good. Now, if the Lord puts His finger on something in your life that you need to get out, then get it out. And if you can't get it out, then get with someone that can help you get it out. Because the Bible says that it, if there's an area in your life that you refuse to deal with, it'll darken your confidence, it'll darken your conscience, and it'll bring confusion and darkness to the heart, and it'll actually affect your faith. Amen? Now, positionally, I am fine. But I allow that thing to take its place in my life. And it'll get me all awkward in the spirit. So the remedy is 
Just get with a man or woman of God and get it done with. Amen? And say, this thing has been kicking my butt and I don't want it in my life. There's something about exposing a weakness that brings great strength to your heart. You can't change what you don't acknowledge. And when you expose it, God rushes in to cover it. When you cover it, God rushes in to expose it. I had lunch with a guy one time that was sleeping around. Supposed to be a man of God. He was a good guy, he really was. He just he got hurt, ended up in a relationship with another man's wife. How many can say that that's a bad thing? Would you say that God probably didn't lead him to do that? So we're having lunch, and you know the devil can spin all kinds of junk in our heads, and he couldn't figure out why life was going like it was, and you know the heavens are like brass, and all this kind of stuff. What's going on? And but yet he's you know telling me God's stories, but yet. You know, there's this, this whole level of confusion that's going on in his life. And the Lord openly showed me what was going on in his life, so we began to talk about it. And he began to defend it. He began to say it was God. And finally, we just kind of prayed. The Spirit of God came. I started to cry. He started to cry. And he looks at me and he says this. He says, brother, he said, I cannot believe it. But he said, I am in sin and I cannot believe that I am in sin like this. And he's crying. He's like, I can't believe it. So we prayed and we got that thing out and the Lord gave him a strong word to clean that up and he had to leave her. He had to apologize to the man. He had to get those things right. And I, and I spoke a word, actually, a prophetic word into his life. I, the Lord came on me and I said, I said, if you go back, you have to apologize to the man. You can never speak to the woman again. You, you must cut it off and never see her again. And you need to get under a man where you live. You lived far away. You need to get under a man that's going to mentor you and help you through this time. And the Lord says, if you'll do it right, he won't expose your sin to the public. He'll protect you. And within two years, you'll meet the woman of your dreams and you'll be married. Three years later, he introduced me to his wife. Tell me, God can't do things. Oh, Pastor Bob, you're talking like you believe this stuff. <laughs> All right, number one is we need to know our position as a man of God when we pray, or a woman of God. We need to know our position. Number two, what is number two? Oh, I didn't say yet. We need to know the Word. The Bible says sometimes we, we don't get answers because we pray amiss. We pray amiss. I'll cover this list probably next week. But we pray amiss. We need to know the Word of God. Can I pray for healing? Can I pray for needs in our life? Can I pray for food if I need food? Yeah, because the Bible is clear. It says that you can do that. So the more I know the Word of God, the more confidence and faith it puts in me to believe for miracles. Amen? If I don't know the Word, I have a hard time praying in faith. Next is unbelief. We need to rebuke that thing that is a bug that needs to get out of our life in America. We see miracles overseas, you see breakthroughs, you see the Dwyers have seen many miracles overseas, and in America it's canvassed with skepticism. We've shown people uh, 
x-rays of miracles before and after. And then people say, they say, well, I want to I have validity to the x-ray. I want to have a certified letter saying that. And it's like, are you kidding me? At what level do we finally break down unbelief in you? We need to get out of unbelief. Amen? Amen. Just put your hand on your heart. Just say, Lord, Lord. remove unbelief. The next thing that is a key to prayer is fasting. Fasting is powerful. We'll get into that next week. I'm just going to read the list quick, and then we'll explore these next week. Is that okay? Because we got to close. Say fasting. Fasting is like the nuclear uh, bomb of prayer. Fasting helps you break through. It's a tremendous thing. The next thing is to live an offense-free life. The Bible said that if you have ought against someone, he says, stop praying. Get that thing right, and then come right back. But it actually says that. If you hate your wife or hate your husband, and you're trying to pray, the Lord's like, la, 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 la. In fact, another scripture says this. To men, he said, if you're not treating your wife right, I won't listen to you. doesn't say that about the woman. Live an offense-free life. Amen? Amen? So marriage, we have to treat each other right, or it will actually... That's what he says. He says, I won't listen. I won't listen. God's not listening. Yes. Are you mean to your spouse? Yes. God's not listening. He's not saying be perfect. That's another lie. None of us are perfect. God, through the blood, sees us as perfectly spotless and clean, just like Jesus. Amen? But He's not saying that you have to, you, we don't have to strap on heavy burdens that you, can't, that you can't carry. There's none of us, but He does it in us. Amen? All right, enough of that. Demonic warfare and occult invol involvement. That's another area in prayer that sometimes we have to learn that there's a time of warfare that we need to break through to get a, a breakthrough. Amen? Yes. And then occult involvement is tied into that. I've had Christians that said that it was like a glaze came over them. They don't know what it was, and they'll say, well, what did you do? And they say, well, I started dating this girl. She was in witchcraft. I started doing witchcraft with her, and now I don't know what's going on. I'm like, one plus one <laughs> equals two. I said, well, do you enjoy that atmosphere? No, I hate it. Let's pray. That's all? Yep. Let's renounce that. Let's ask God to forgive you, and I'm going to pray for you. It's going to be gone. You're going to start hearing from God again. Boom. It's done. But those things God will not tolerate. He's not going to tolerate. Eight is motive. The Bible says that if you pray with the wrong motive, it can interfere with your prayer. If you start praying and fasting and ask God Two, it says to, to heap on your sensual pleasures. If you start fasting and praying, asking God for, you know, pounds of cocaine, He's probably not going to give it to you. Oh, God, 
I just want a bag of weed. Oh, God. Bible says that when you pray to heap on your sensual pleasures, He's not going to give it to you. Say, God is good. He wants to give things that are good for me. Number nine, the Bible says, here's the last one, is if we diligently seek Him. That's one of the great keys in, in Scripture, is to diligently seek Him. It says it over and over and over. Those who diligently seek Him, He'll reward you. If you diligently seek Him, you have to go after it sometimes. You know, sometimes when you train for a marathon, you don't just get up one day and go run. You have a lifestyle of, of preparing, and when the marathon comes, you're ready. And that's the thing of diligent prayer. Daily we spend time with God so the spirit man is ready for the battle. You ready? Are you ready? Are you guys ready? All right, I need to close. Look at that, 12 o'clock. People are hungry. They're calling. They want donuts. All right, let me close with this. You guys ready? Really, I'm, I'm going to go like, like crazy fast because I want to give you something. I'm going to give you a scripture here really, really fast. Are you ready? Yeah. Matthew 18, 19. If two of you agree on earth on anything you ask, it will be done for them in heaven. Matthew 21, 22. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Yeah. Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it is yours. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so the Father might be glorified in the Son. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and your words abide and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 1 John 3, 22, and I will be from him whatever we ask and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. Last one, 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Stand up. Just thought I'd give you a little teaching today. Next time I preach, I might talk about prayer. I want us to have ferocious prayer. I want us to have ferocious prayer where the devil says, I don't want to mess with them because they start praying and then the whole city is changed. Yeah. Ferocious prayer. Faith. Not just hope. Faith. Amen? Aren't you glad that the Bible is just filled, filled with promises like this? Isn't that good? All right, put your hand on somebody. Put your hand on somebody. That's good. I want you to, as we pray in dismiss here, I want you to, to put in your heart one thing that you're praying for. Maybe it's a lost friend, wayward child. Maybe it's money uh, for bills or whatever. But whatever it is, we're going to pray in faith right now in unity. And we're going to watch God answer prayers.
He loves us. But He moves in faith. Amen? All right, so let's just pray for each other, just for a minute. Father, we just pray right now. We lift up these needs. Uh, some are praying for direction. I felt that really strong. Uh, some are praying for direction. Lord, uh, we just pray right now. We pray for these needs, for finances, for healing, for breakthrough in their lives. Uh, but Father, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ right now. We pray for breakthrough, God. We pray that you would supply. I pray that you would touch them. I pray, Father, for a change in their life, God. And I pray for ferocious faith to come into people. That people can have confidence in knowing that God is good and that you're there to help us. Oh, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We now rest and have confidence that you have heard us. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.